We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, it's Alex Golden here. And today, Fachi and I recorded this episode before the Pacers and Jazz played because we really wanted to touch on everything Kevin Pritchard said in his press conference after the trade deadline and some of our biggest takeaways from that. But we also want to talk about what George Hill and Jordan Awara said in their introductory press conference. So we get into that, but I wanted to talk about this Pacers game that happened tonight. The Pacers lose to the Jazz 123 to 117. But before we get into that, we got some news. Goga Batadze, who was just weighed by the Pacers on Thursday, has a new team. If you missed it during the Pacers game, Goga Batase is now on the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic have picked Goga up, so congratulations to Goga for finding a new home with the Orlando Magic. Not the team I expected him to go to, just didn't really see a lot of opportunities there at the center position, but you know what? It's a good young team, and now you know Goga goes from rooting for Ben Matherin to win Rookie of the Year to now rooting for Paolo Bencaro to win Rookie of the Year. So my, how the turntables, but anyway... Uh, enough of that. The Indiana Pacers hosted the Utah Jazz tonight, and it was a very competitive game back and forth all night. The Pacers, you know, they they were up by six points at the end of the first quarter, ended up getting outscored by eight in the second, so a very close game going into halftime. Then they actually won the third quarter right there to start it, and then in the fourth quarter got outscored by five. So, you know, they ended up losing the game by six, but they were right there the whole time, and if you watched it, you really felt like this game – could have been the Pacers. Now, let's talk about your Pacers, and let's start off with, uh, with our all-star, Tyrese Halliburton. 30 points from Tyrese, 12 assists, 12 of 24 from the field. So Tyrese Halliburton was phenomenal, especially in the second half. He was pretty quiet in the first half scoring-wise, but he turned things on, and it felt like anytime Kelly Olenek was switched onto him and tried to guard him, Kelly Olenek was getting put in the blender and and Tyrese was doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted to do it. And then follow up that Aaron Neesmith, what a night for him. Very efficient from the field, seven to nine, four or five from three, six rebounds, 19 points. You really can't ask for more from Aaron Neesmith at that position. So kudos by him. Miles Turner was out for this game with a sore back. Daniel Tice got his first ever pacer start. He had 11 points in 22 minutes, but didn't have the most minutes at the center position because that was Isaiah Jackson. He ended up getting 26 minutes, so they split the minutes evenly there. Isaiah had 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, three or four from the field, but four blocks. Okay, Isaiah Jackson has really showcased that he can be a, 
a nice rim protector for the Pacers, especially when Miles is out. Um, so really like seeing those numbers there. Buddy Heald with a very poor night from the field, just three of 13 for eight points, two of 11 from three. This is not one of those typical Buddy games you're used to for the Pacers, but you know, it's, it's going to happen, but thankfully he had some guys pick him up and let's start off with your Pacers rookie of the year, Benedict Matherin, 21 points on eight of 13 shooting four rebounds two assist. Very nice game from Matherin. We saw him have a nasty block on Jordan Clarkson as well. So love seeing that from him. And like I already talked about Isaiah Jackson at 11 points, Jordan Nawara made his Pacers debut 17 minutes, three of eight from the field, one of two from three, three rebounds, one assist, seven points. He was all over the place tonight and he had two steals. So, you know what, Jordan Nawara, welcome to the Indiana Pacers. That was a fun one. TJ McConnell does what TJ McConnell does. Eight points, three assists, two rebounds, 16 minutes, four or five shooting. Very efficient night. And then the hometown hero returned to the floor for the Indiana Pacers. So that meant no James Johnson, no Jalen Smith, no O'Shea Brissett, and no Chris Duarte. George Hill got the Chris Duarte minutes tonight. Not sure what that was about, but maybe it was getting someone on the floor familiar with Nawara. I- I'm not sure exactly what the thinking was there, but George Hill played 10 minutes. Zero points, zero field goals, zero assists. Basically, with zeros all across the board, besides the one still that he had. So, you know, nothing really there in the score, uh, in the in the box score. But you love seeing George Hill back in a Pacers uniform. But it is still different seeing him in a number seven jersey. So, you know what? This is a really good competitive loss for the Pacers. If your team tank, the Pacers are looking at the inverse standings in terms of trying to get themselves a better pick. And you have to be happy tonight because the Orlando Magic took down the Chicago Bulls. So the Orlando Magic only trailed the Pacers by a half game from the 12th seed. The Pacers um, are, are getting themselves into the bottom three of the Eastern Conference. So, you know, it's been a rough, rough stretch. The Pacers have now lost 16 of their last 18 games. 16 of their last 18 games. I had to say it twice for dramatic effect. They have been pitiful. They've been awful. They have not been able to close out games. It's just been rough. And when not having Tyrese for the the long time that they didn't have him, it really did put things in perspective and it kind of set them back and kind of gave them some realization of who they are as a team right now. So overall, not the end of the world that the Pacers did not win this game, but really good to see some of these guys have efficient nights. And, you know, the Utah Jazz are a team that made trades to get worse as well. So for the Pacers to be able to, you know, be competitive with a team that's got an all-star in Laurie Markin, an all-star starter now with the injuries to the Western Conference starters. So, you know, it, it was a it was a fun game. But at the end of the day, the Pacers, big picture, took a loss, but it might be better for them in the in the inverse standing. So with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. Tyrese Halliburton's going to bring us back with our intro like we always do. And then you can hear me and Fachi go back and forth talking about Kevin Pritchard's press conference in George Hill, Jordan Nawara's introductory press conference right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Everybody, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and I'm joined today by the man who was in attendance for the Pacers-Wizards game, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, getting on the Jumbotron. He is a celeb in Washington, D.C. Fachi, what's going on, man? Man, I mean, getting on the Jumbotron, fun time. Watching that game, not so much. <laughs> Alex, I'm going to be honest. I really hoped the streak the curse, whatever you want to call it. I hoped it was coming to an end. It was very evident early on in that first quarter. That streak was going nowhere. And now the Pacers, unfortunately, are 0-4 with me in attendance this year for Mm. different arenas. So I'm trying them all out. Nothing's working. But you know what? Maybe, just maybe, come draft time, people might say thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I think people might, Fachi. I mean, looking at the Pacers' record over the last, like, Two months, you know, January and this month of February. It's early still, obviously, but we're about halfway through. It's not been very good. It's been pretty bad basketball. So 
Um, but you know, what's really fun is the NBA trade deadline and Pacers had a trade. We talked about that on the last episode and it was really cool because now we have some clarity on what's happening. So we did get those three second round picks. Serge Ibaka has been waived and George Hill, Jordan Awara, they will be with the team. I think they might be playing tonight. Not sure. Um, but, or, or be active tonight. I don't know if they're going to play or not, but they had their press conference, introductory press conference, after the Thursday night game against the Phoenix Suns, or Friday night against the Phoenix Suns, which the Pacers and the Blues in that game as well. But while all that happened today, Monday, before the Jazz game, the Pacers re-signed veteran James Johnson, who they had to waive to make the deal official. So James Johnson is back. Now you've got two veterans kind of, you know, probably on the outside looking in in terms of the rotation and James Johnson and George Hill what are your thoughts on adding those two veterans to this locker room? I like it because this Pacers team is in a very awkward spot where the, the, we knew that the youth is very evident on this team. And we knew the importance of having a veteran that could show everybody how to be a pro. Everyone has complimented James Johnson for that. But I feel like George Hill is a veteran that's you know ingrained in Indiana. I mean, mm-hmm. he is he is as Indiana as it gets. But he's also been with the Pacers when they had success. And what I loved is Jordan War already mentioning just how vocal George Hill was on Friday against the Suns, already oh, yeah. coaching the youth, and that he wanted to stick around. When the Pacers gave him the option, he wanted to be here to help the youth. I don't know how much we're going to see George Hill this season. That really remains to be seen. It's in that area of not much to, you know, maybe not at all, but I think he'll suit up, you know, a couple times, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like the idea. He, he's like a, another veteran guard. Do I see him here long term? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say chances are probably not better than they are. But you know what? George Hill's nostalgic for me. He's nostalgic for you. He's nostalgic for a lot of Pacer fans. So it's not like they brought in just like another Daniel Tice type player. This is a guy that like, you know, we've rooted for before who takes pride in being, quote, home and for that i'm always a bit excited yeah i i'll be honest with you um one of the things that i liked about george hill's press conference was first of all kevin pritchard said that they let him make the uh make the decision do you want to you want to stay in indiana and be here for the rest of the team if you do you got a spot on this team as a veteran that we could really use to help coach these young guys if not they were going to give him the option of being waived and being able to choose whichever team he'd like and i think that's great communication by the front office, by Rick Carlisle, by Kevin Pritchard, with George Hill and his agent to sh- try to work together. And that's what they did with Serge Ibaka. They obviously waived him because he'd want to be here. I don't blame him. Um, but it's really cool. And, and I think when George Hill was introduced with his press conference, he said, I never wanted to leave Indiana in the first place. And I think for every Pacer fan out there, you're just not used to hearing people say they want to be in Indiana. And I know George is from here, so it hits a little different. But still, it just sounded so good for him to be like, I wanted to come home. I wanted to stay here. He even actually said he still thinks he has some left in the tank and doesn't want to just ride the bench. So, like you said, that could be like his nice way of saying like, yeah, I want to be here, but I also don't want to just be a guy that's like the 15th man on the roster that doesn't play. I still think I have some left in the tank. So there's that as well. But I also loved the fact that he said Dwayne Wade kind of set the tone or kind of set the the model for how players can still be involved with teams and talked about how Dwayne Wade is a part owner and said that he would maybe like to do something like that with the Pacers one day. And I thought that's pretty interesting. You know, George Hill having interest 
and maybe being a part owner of the Indiana Pacers, don't think you'd be able to afford that much percentage-wise, but still be a nice face for the franchise as a part owner because everybody loves George Hill. And, you know, and maybe if there's ever a situation that comes up where, like, they're thinking about selling the team to a different – or moving the team to a different state or something like that or a different city – Maybe George Hill, being a minority owner, could have some say in that. Yeah, and you know, to your point about George Hill wanting to be here, Alex, I don't care who it is, it never gets old. Whether it's like a Lance Stevenson or a George Hill saying it, it means something because we've been on the other end of that. Where too many times. Too many times, and it still hurts. But when George Hill said it, I mean, I started just – Sending you put together a great graphic of George Hill when he mentioned that he wanted to be here. I was just sending it to people, and people were like, "Bro, it's George Hill," and I was like, "It doesn't matter. He wants to be here because he's happy, and that it just it warmed me up." When you're talking about you know being a, a minority owner, anything of the sort, I think George Hill wants some sort of involvement with the Pacers. He mentioned wanting to retire in Indiana. Is that you know maybe? His last season with the Pacers, maybe does he want to move into a, a potential coaching position one day? I don't know, but uh, he we'll said figure- he didn't want to coach. Did you hear okay. him ask him that? Uh, no, I don't know if I did. Uh, so they asked him if he thought about maybe getting into coaching, and that's when he brought up the ownership part of it. So he said, I don't think I want to be a coach because that's just too much stress. But he said maybe doing something like Dwayne Wade did and being a part-time owner would be interesting to him. So, you know, that, that that's me is like, okay, because a lot of people, and I myself, you know, you see a lot of point guards become coaches at some point in their yeah, in their career. A lot. And he's been a really good point guard. He's been around the league quite a bit. So to me, that was fascinating just to hear him say like, no, coaching is too stressful. I, I'd rather just be an owner. Like I was like, I appreciate the honesty because most guys would be like, yeah, you never know what's up, you know, up, you know, of course, down there the road was or something like that. But sides. he's like, nope. <laughs> now also uh, George called it a dream come true. Uh, coming back to the Pacers. So, that was awesome. And then just Jordan Nawara mentioned that he's super, super excited. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see him out there yeah. because th- this is someone who has that build that we've been looking for. Our depth at the small forward position, not great. But also one thing that Kevin Pritchard mentioned is they've had conversations about Jordan for a few years now. It sounds like they liked him when he was coming out of the draft and uh, you know described him as multi-positional and with the ability to create his own shot. I'm looking forward to seeing him out there. I was hoping I was going to catch his debut. I was there in Washington, but they didn't play him. That's what makes me feel like he could very well be out there against the Jazz. I know, like we mentioned earlier, we're recording before the game. So, fingers crossed, at this point, you just want to see something a little bit different. And Jordan Noir, to me right now, is that something a little bit different for us? Yeah, so one of the things Kevin Pritchard said is that you know, they were scouting him when he was in the draft, and mm-hmm. the scouts really believed in him. And Jordan Awara said this in his press conference that um, he was a free agent last year, a restricted free agent, and they had conversations with the Pacers about joining last year in the offseason, but he said he ended up back in Milwaukee. So not sure what the holdup was there. Maybe it was during the Pacers holding pattern, you know, holding pat until they got their answer on DeAndre Ayton and that kind of thing. So maybe it was just like taking too long and he wanted to get that money secured. So don't blame him, but Jordan Awara was like through the roof excited about being here, um, getting an opportunity. And that's one of the things that Kevin Pritchard brought up is that he said Jordan's going to get a lot of time to play here. And he kind of compared his situation to an Aaron Neesmith, who same draft class, 2020, 
on a championship level team in Milwaukee. You know, Boston was right there in the in the finals last year. So kind of drawing those similar comparisons. And you know, Nawara is a little bit bigger in terms of his mm-hmm. size and stuff like that. So there's a lot of excitement there. But one thing that I loved is like George Hill being that veteran that was with Nawara in the trade. It gives him somebody to bond with that he already knows. So it's an probably a more of a of a seamless kind of transition similar to what we saw with buddy and tyrese last year so it's it's really cool to see them like taking pictures together walking into the game and you know george is very familiar with the pacers facilities and the franchise and you know the city and so he's able to help jordan get around so you know i'm i'm excited for jordan i think he's 24 years old pachi so mm-hmm. that's what makes it exciting he fits the timeline pretty well still younger than chris duarte just want to throw that joke out there but you know, <laughs> I think he does fill a position of need. And Kevin Pritchard said that him and Rick Carlisle, I don't know if it was before or after the trade deadline, but they talked, um, they had dinner, and they talked about the direction they want to move going forward in, in terms of, like, you know, what they want to do. And I think that, to me, was kind of like a sign of, okay, we're, we're, we're trying to develop here. And that's the big thing that Kevin Pritchard kept reiterating. You can develop without – you know, losing all the time, but it's hard. So that to me is, I think, maybe something like he just wanted to get his message across, you know, make sure that they're on the same page. Like we're more focused on development than we are, you know, trying to make a push for something. Yeah, the big takeaway I got from that press conference was it, re- and obviously Pritchard said, you know, as much as we could punch it in for the eighth, ninth, tenth spot and compete against a, a first or second seed, you know, we have higher aspirations for that and development's going to be big. So it felt like, Finally, the shift in the, uh, hey, you know what? The Pacers really are not going to try and do everything they can to make that plan. We're going to, you know, see where the chips fall. And if that ends up meaning picking fifth, sixth, maybe even hopefully getting into the top four, which is going to be tough, that's what we're going to be going for. And that that felt good. It felt like nice clarity. It felt like I could now be like, all right, you know what? Any L that happens, it's not a bad thing. And right now, we really got to be emphasizing some of these young players. And in that Wizards game, I noticed Jalen Smith appeared in the first quarter. Isaiah Jackson appeared in the first quarter. Daniel Tice was given the night off. I think that was kind of huge. Once the Pacers realized they were not going to be able to trade Daniel Tice, it's like, okay, well, let's maybe not have him as a very key you know, part of each game plan. And I, I want to say it might have been Scott Agnes that asked Pritchard in the press conference, you know, what are you going to do specifically about the rotation of bigs? And Pritchard mentioned that maybe if it's a bigger team, you might see Daniel Tice and Miles Turner out there. If it's a quicker team, maybe you'll see a little bit more of Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. So I think that that's good to be able to find a little bit of that balance. But definitely the remaining, I want to say it's 24 games of the season, needs to be dedicated towards development and I think that we all have a bit more clarity on that, that that's been confirmed. Yeah, and I think, you know, Bob Kravitz, front of the show, asked Kevin Pritchard as well if the Tyrese Halliburton injury did kind of shift their focus mm-hmm. in terms of how they're going about approaching things. And he said, without a doubt, Bob, <laughs> you know, he said he yep. it did. And, 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 you know, and that's kind of self-explanatory because at the end of the day, we have to realize that, yes, this team was fun. This team was playing great. And they were surprising everybody. And you just can't get caught up in the moment. And I think that's the hard thing about being an NBA executive 
is not getting too caught up in what's going on for a current situation. Now, look, the Pacers had kept Halliburton healthy and they had an, a, an amazing run in January and they're still sitting at the five or the six seed. Then I think the aggressive offers that they made for players that they kind of threw out there that they were aggressive and it takes two to tango, that kind of thing. I think those deals probably get negotiated a little bit more if they are closer. I think they kind of had like a, we'll offer this, but we're not going to go past this for this season because we mm-hmm. understand where we're at. I think that's kind of how they probably approach it. That's just me, just me guessing, not, not saying I know anything, but I just feel like they took a step back to realize, hey, let's continue to follow the process. Let's trust the process, <laughs> but let's do what we said we were going to do at the beginning of the season, develop these young players and, and find a way to get ourselves a better position because right now the Pacers have the sixth worst record in the NBA, Fachi. So they would be right where the Kings were at last year when you go into the draft lottery. And we know Sacramento moved up from six to four. So they have put themselves in a spot in the inverse standings to get themselves a better draft pick. But I just feel like, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get players to play hard and lose games. That's where you have to really put the emphasis on development and not playing Benedict Mather in 13 minutes against the Miami Heat, but playing him 35 minutes with Tyrese Halliburton and other players that are young that need the experience and probably playing some of your guys like Miles, Buddy, TJ, less minutes because, and Tice, because you know what you're going to get from them. Yeah, and unrelated note, I mean, every Kevin Pritchard press conference, it always feels like there's one key phrase that sticks out. It takes two to tango. Felt like it was like, I don't know why. I think I've heard that line now, like in so many different articles, like, Yes, it definitely does take two. And we heard, I mean, I think Zach Lowe was the one that reported it, and it sounded like it fit in with what Pritchard was saying, that the Pacers did make an aggressive offer. And it sounds like it was for OG, where the Pacers offered three, all three first-round picks, and the Houston Rockets' second-round pick. You're talking about four picks in the top 32 for OG. Now, on paper, or just saying the idea, hey, OG to the Pacers, it sounds great. But when you really break it down, if you had given up four top 32 picks for OG, I mean, at this point, where does that really put the Pacers? To me, you're right in that play-in territory, and I still just don't think that's where you want to be, and that's a lot of draft capital. And apparently the Raptors were also looking for a young player. So you're talking about those four picks, probably plus a Chris Duarte or, you know, maybe it's an Isaiah Jackson or whatever it may be. It's just too much for one guaranteed year of OG under contract yeah. next year before we can opt out. And, and I think that when you look back, while it wasn't the sexiest, the funnest move, the Pacers made smart moves because second round picks have increased in value from what they used to be. A second mm-hmm. round pick used to be just, you know, like a bag of chips. Now it's that people are using those to make deals happen, whether it's three second-round picks, five second-round picks, and the Pacers now have put themselves in a spot where they'll have five draft picks this year, and they also acquired additional second-round picks. I think that they have a lot of ammunition going into this offseason where they're going to have even more flexibility, whether it's a Buddy Heald contract you know, expiring or Daniel Tice becomes more, easier to move. So I love where the Pacers are at, even if it wasn't uh, pushing forward this year. 
Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that Pritchard said that, that he wanted to keep his optionality open. So that he's always liked the ability to have the optionality. And now that they have it, they can, you know, do even more things now with all the second round picks they got. And like you said, they got three first round picks this year and two second round picks now for this upcoming draft. And that's pretty impressive considering how deep this draft is and how good this draft is. I would anticipate the Pacers move up and we'll get into that a lot once the season's over because I've got a lot of things that I'm storing up here in my brain in terms of my thoughts on some of these players in the draft class that I'd be interested in. But, you know, it's it's going to be a fun draft class. I, I think anywhere you get a draft pick in the top 10, you're going to probably be happy with who you get because I think there's that much talent that's just like oozing in this draft. And some of it, you know, it might be kind of like underwhelming, like a lot of fans felt for, for a guy like Keegan Murray last year. You know, we got a lot of like Keegan Murray is – you know, not the right pick at six. He's, you know, too underwhelming. Ceiling's not high enough, that kind of thing. But he's doing pretty well in Sacramento. Yeah. So I, I think that even if you find a guy like that that's that level, you know, in the top 10, that's going to be huge for your success. So overall, I, I just really like what Kevin Pritchard had to say because, you know, KP does a really good job of finding the right balance of telling you what he can, mm-hmm. what you yes. want to hear. But he also, you know, sometimes he might slip a thing or two out that he doesn't mean to just because he gets caught up talking and he talks a lot when he answers questions. But I think that the big thing for me that I took away from this was, like you mentioned earlier, not going for a 9, 10, or 8 seed, you know, not getting yourself pigeonholed into this play-in team and, and really looking at the bigger picture here because we are still, you know, as great as Aaron Neesmith has been this year, and he's been phenomenal. For what we expected. Yes. You've got to find your long-term answers at the three and the four. Um, as awesome as Nimhart's been, he can be a long-term starter, I guess. But I think, for me personally, I think you've got to find someone that complements what Benedict and Tyrese do a little bit better with size. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to see them address that in the offseason by getting some wings. Both players, Nemhard, Neesmith, have been very solid additions to this Pacers team. And like you mentioned, they've been better than expected. But when you have a long-term vision of winning a championship, those are contributing players. Yeah. Maybe not starting lineup players, especially when you're talking about, you know, maybe Neesmith at the wing. I, I just feel like, you know, the when you look at the teams that are really contending, yes. Kevin Durant's and LeBron James's, they don't grow on trees. But then there is a next tier of, you know, small forwards that are available or could be available. Mm -hmm. And I do think the Pacers can very much look to upgrade. And it it could very well even happen in the draft. But we need someone that's got a higher ceiling than some of the players that you just named. And I think the Pacers have set themselves up where you just can't imagine them using four draft picks in the top 32. I mean, that is just way too much for even OKC. So something's going to happen. <laughs> and and, and I, I can't wait for it to happen. But it would have been like a short-lived fun if we made a you know, moment, if we made a trade for like an OG and then all of a sudden finished in the 10th spot. And then we're like, what are we doing over here? Now we have no draft capital moving forward. I think that the Pacers can set the bar a bit higher. Um, and then, you know what? I know they didn't really mention John Collins as much, but they they did link the Pacers to John Collins. Another player that I think the Pacers made a good move on standing pat because that would have really, uh, 
it would have took him down, you know, financially moving forward in terms of the salary mm-hmm. cap space. And what would John Collins have really done for this Pacers team this year when he's not having a typical John Collins like year? I don't know if he would have really moved the needle in this remainder of the season compared to like a full season, which you could still revisit that trade in the offseason could save the Pacers money and capital. Yeah, and I think Pritchard mentioned that they're going to have that they'll have 25 to 35 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. And they can always finagle with that. You know, they, oh, they yeah. can always get more by whatever kind of trade they want to make. Like they could trade Buddy Heald and for a pick and trade him into somebody else's cap space if they feel like, you know, moving off from Buddy. I'm not saying that they're going to trade Buddy, but I'm just saying if they wanted to, you know, we saw them find ways by getting rid of Brogdon to create max cap space last oh, year yeah. for DeAndre Ayton. So there's a lot of options out here, and I think what's got to be smart is like you mentioned it earlier with the OG stuff, and I think we've, we've talked about OG a lot on this podcast, mm-hmm. but the thing that I think people just overlook is that one-year optionality exactly. to, to to get out, that, that, that player option. It's like you get a guy, he fits in really awesome, and everybody everybody keeps saying, well, he said he wants to be here. I'm like, are we sure that we can confirm that? Because we I've can't. seen it. Nobody can confirm that. I mean, it's not like you can lip read and even see it. So it's just like they were talking and everyone had just kind of speculated it. And I mean, I've literally seen people say, get OG in and over. He said he wants to be here. I said, where are you getting that from? Because I don't have any confirmation that he said he wants to be here. So I, I get the excitement. But I mean, even with the cap space that you have, if you draft a player in the top six at your small forward position, and then you go out and trade for OG and Anobi to be your to be your power forward, or even John Collins to be your power forward, I would say that you've given yourself a pretty successful offseason, Fachi. So that, to me, is where the Pacers can benefit from this. And what wouldn't surprise me is if somehow they packaged a lot of the picks that they have with a team to move up into the draft and get, like, you know, somewhere from the 12 to 15 range. And if they didn't want to take another draft player or, you know, another draft pick, with all that cap space, see if they could go out and trade that pick to go get a guy like John Collins. That, to me, could make some sense. They have just optionality. I mean, they have so many options that I think that I would rather this than, you know, going all in and getting a John Collins, you know, this year if it, if it costs too much. But I think that right now the Pacers, the, those picks, the Cavs pick slated to be, you know, mid-20s. The Celtics pick looking right around 30. Houston's pick being right around 31. It's a lot of picks that I think, to your point, yes, you could package together. And I would rather have, for instance, say the fifth and the 17th pick than I would, you know, the the fifth, the 26th, the 30th, the 31st. It's just too many picks. So I think the Pacers are going to make a move. It's going to be a much smarter move than having OG potentially under contract for one and a half years to win it all or to make a run, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. It would have been fun for a moment, but you know what? It's not to say that it's off the table. So I'm excited to revisit it. But for now, we just got to stand pat and know that we didn't get the entree we wanted. We got an appetizer. You know, we got to, yeah. we're, we're, we're picking at some fries right now with some <laughs> second round picks. All right. Yeah. So save your appetite. There's going to be more food on the way. Hey, so I just sent you a picture of the thumbnail the Pacers used for the Kevin Pritchard press conference. And my guy, KP, looks like somebody here, and I can't figure out who it is. Is there anybody in mind that, like, just sticks out to you about who this person looks like? Because to me, like, 
Kevin Pritchard, obviously, uh, you know, in that picture there, just looks like he almost looks like Rick Fusion from uh, uh, I forget what his title is, but I, you know, he's like in charge of the field house. And like okay. that smile there kind of reminds me of that, but he almost looks like an actor in this one, and I can't pinpoint who it is. Mm, I don't know, but it's quite the smile. I mean, it's 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 that, not like a- that smile came from when Dustin Dopierak from the Indie Star asked KP who the players were that they were aggressively going after. Oh, he's like, yeah, he's like I, can't I can't tell you that. that. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's like, <laughs> but I can tell you they're still on the same teams, you know. Yeah, he. I can't figure out who it is, but he. He looks like somebody here, and I'm trying to think in my head. It kind of reminds me, too, of the guy that Elaine dated on Seinfeld towards the end, but, like, if that guy was older now. So it's <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I was just like, this Kevin Pritchard in this in this photo that they have here, he looks like somebody not himself, but I'm trying to figure out who it is. Hey, I, I don't know. You'll have to get back to us when, when you figure it out. But If anybody uh, has any idea of who this guy looks like, I'll – you guys can find the picture on the YouTube page for the Pacers. Mm-hmm. If there's like somebody that Kevin Pritchard reminds you of in this picture, please tell me because I'm dying to know because it's like I feel like I've seen this face before, like this actor before on on, on a movie recently. Hey, one of the one of the last things I gotta throw out there, and you know this is just me, but what did you think when George Hill got number seven? Oh, retire it because there's only one jersey number of worth being retired, and that's number seven for George Hill. What retire number seven because of George Hill? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll never. I'm trolling you, bro. I know it'll never sit right with me, and I know that ship has sailed. It's crashed. However you want to put it, I. But it's just like, man, we're just tossing around number seven lately from Al Jefferson to Brogdon to now George Hill, and it's just, I understand. Like, it's just. I got to let it go, but I, I guess it's better if it's George Hill than it would be if it was, you know, if Serge Daniel Ibaka Tice. stayed. And, yeah, like, yeah, if it was like a Baca or Daniel Tice or anything like that, but, man. Well, let me ask you this. Does every point guard that gets traded from Milwaukee to the Pacers have to wear number seven or something? Apparently. I don't Rogan. know. If some, if, exactly. I don't know if that's in a, in a, a contract, in an agreement, but uh, it, it's sticking with George Hill, and I, I guess – I got a soft spot for George Hill, so I guess I can let this one go. Yeah, no, it does look weird, though. I won't lie. George Hill should be number three. Um, I know. Chris Duarte, I think, was number five when he was in Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, He was, he was, yep. Mm-hmm. And I forget who was number five last year. I think when he started out the year, we had Edmund Sumner on the roster before we traded him for your your favorite backup point guard, Brad Wanamaker. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Washington Wizard Brad Wanamaker, but yeah. anyway, no. What I'm saying is, you know, with with Edmund Sumner still on the roster, Duarte couldn't pick number five. So maybe next year in the off season, we'll see Duarte change to number five, and maybe. then George Hill can get number three. Maybe I guess he would have been eligible to change it this year if he wanted it, but yeah, um, he didn't. He didn't change it this year. You're right. No. So. I don't know if that'll happen, but it remains to be seen. I just I need a healthy dose of Jordan Awara coming up. I gotta see. I gotta be able to stick my teeth into something new to be like, yeah, this guy's ours moving forward. But here's my question: He's got to take minutes away from someone. Do you think that someone's O'Shea Brissett? Well, he didn't even play in the barely Phoenix played. Game. He's kind yeah. of been out of rotation. And Miles exactly. Turner, Miles Turner is ruled out for tonight's game against the Jazz. We're recording before. Tyrese Halliburton is available. So probably means uh, very unlikely we see George Hill. 
but that probably means that you're going to get Daniel Tice maybe starting. Maybe it'll be Isaiah Jackson, but you'll probably see more of the backup bigs. I think there's a chance that he gets that that spot there in the, in the 10-man rotation. Jordan Awara. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's got to. I mean, it's not like it's like mandatory that he has to play against the Jazz, but I, I think this would be a good opportunity for him to play. Um, and then, look, hopefully we're getting a healthy dose of Isaiah Jackson um, in this game without Miles Turner. But we were talking offline that there was a debate that they could have rested Tyrese Halliburton for this game. I think it makes more sense to rest him for the Chicago game coming up, last game before the All-Star break, since he will be playing in the All-Star game, uh, as well as a three-point contest as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I don't think you and I got to talk about that. So I don't think we pretty, brought it up. I don't I don't think we did, but awesome to see like him and Buddy have like – you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just that friendliness competition. Like, no, 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 you're not winning this. Like, you're going to have to take it from me. So yeah. I love that. Plus, it's just more representation for the Pacers during All-Star Weekend. So you got to love that. Yeah, for sure, Foch. I mean, I I don't even know who to root for now. I, I think because Halliburton's in the um, – because he's in the All-Star game, I might pull for Buddy in the three-point contest. But I think Halliburton's going to be a Pacer longer. So I might just root for Halliburton to win it all. So – you know, it, it's hard. Halliburton won last year in the skills challenge or whatever mm-hmm. it was, the shooting thing. So maybe he'll do that again, too. We haven't heard anything on that. So maybe defend the title with Desmond Bain. We'll see what happens there. But um, nothing else really to talk about in terms of, you know, what happened for the Pacers and stuff like that. But it's great to have James Johnson back. Awesome to yep. see George Hill here. You know, I can't wait for Fachi to get his Daniel Tice jersey at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That see what did- we got on that. Well, I mean, that was part of the rule. You said he wouldn't finish the season with the Pacers, so. I mean, I wish he came back earlier so he would have had a little bit more trade value. But (laughs) here we are, and now I'm telling you, this second the deadline passed and people even saw Daniel Tice, I feel like they just got angry and were like, what is he even doing out there? Like, yeah, you know, it's guys, he's still going to be on the team. He's not going to just not make another appearance this year. Um, But I think the Pacers can maybe have an opportunity here or there to give him some rest so yeah. they can prioritize some other, you know, players like an Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith who definitely need more minutes. But man, other than that, Alex, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? I guess the last thing I would say before we get to you is just uh they asked KP about Goga. Maybe why didn't it didn't work here? And yeah, KP took the blame, said, look, hey. You know what? I don't think he had as much of an opportunity. There was trades that we made that brought back centers. And when Gogo was really working hard, it felt like he still had a lot to learn, but claimed that there was a lot of teams that called about Gogo. Now, not to not to trade for him, but to gather information on Gogo. So said that Gogo will definitely be picked up. We have not heard anything yet, but I definitely uh, will be looking out to see who Gogo signs with. Yeah, he said he thinks he'll get it picked up for sure. And I think he was saying once they knew they were going to waive him, that's when teams were calling to get information on him because they're like, should we give a flyer on this guy? So, I mean, I would expect probably a team that's out of the mix to do so, that has playing time for him, because that's really where he needs to go anyway. Somewhere like San Antonio, like we just or talked Charlotte, about. Charlotte, maybe. They traded Mason Plumley. Yeah, but they've got two centers already in Kai Jones, and they drafted what's-his-face from uh, Mark Williams last year from mm-hmm. Duke. So, I mean, they do have some centers there where they're kind of, you know, big there. I mean, maybe somewhere like Houston, they just got a, they just bought out a lot of players. Yeah. And he had some nice games against Houston as well. They have Alper and Goon, so maybe, like, if they don't want to play Goon once like for, for some minutes, they can play Gogas as backup. I mean, 
somewhere like that to me makes some sense because I think Goga does have some potential still. Oh, I, I, I agree with I agree with Pritchard about Goga. A lot of it was just opportunity and being drafted to a place where he couldn't really develop fully. It, it, we we never had a spot for him. I mean, no. it's like it's like he was drafted here <laughs> during like the height of of Turner Turbonus. and Sabonis. You know, like yeah. exactly. So it's like where were you going to go from there? And then it just felt like bringing in Daniel Tice. Like just I don't know. It's not like that was the nail in the coffin. That the coffin had already been nailed a well, while ago when you traded for Jalen and uh, drafted Isaiah too. Like it's just like okay. Yeah, I, I'd say those were the nails in the coffins because both those guys really just got ahead of Goga and produced far more and, and just became more of a priority for the Pacers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mad about that because those guys do still, I think, have a, a higher ceiling or a better fit with this Pacers team than sure. Goga really ever did. Yeah, and I'll say this too. I think when Carlisle came here and things kind of changed with Halliburton, Goga did not fit the style of play that they're wanting to play. And I really don't think Daniel Tice fits the style of play either. Does not, yeah. But Daniel Tice is an amazing ball screener. I mean, that guy is the best screener on the team. He sets some pretty nasty screens, and he just plays hard. And I think for those fans that are mad that he's still getting minutes, trust me, I'm in the same boat with you. I get it. Why are we not playing Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith? These are the guys of the future. Here's the interesting thing. Malcolm Brogdon still played when he was healthy last year after the Halliburton trade, and we got to see a little bit of him and Halliburton together, and that's kind of like – they were like, okay, we don't really like this pairing as much as maybe we thought we would because Halliburton's kind of being more, you know, he's being deficient in terms of like telling uh, Brogdon to kind of run it and he was taking like the mm-hmm. off-ball role. They didn't want that. They wanted the ball in Halliburton's hands. So they were like, okay, you know, they can play together. We can probably make it work, but it's not something we want to just like pigeonhole them into. We don't want to cram that together, like that that duo. I, I think with Daniel Tice, while he might not fit the Pacers system that well, one thing you can do by playing him is show people. And like you said, you wish he had been healthy for more time. Well, at least I can showcase that he's healthy for the rest of this season and then try to find a home for him in the summer. And I think it'll be more easy to trade him when he's got one yes, one less year on his contract. And I think the final year of that contract is like partially guaranteed or something. I, I think it's just a straight-up team option. So oh, next option. year is basically an expiring okay. year of about 8 to $9 million. So I do think the Pacers will yeah. or can definitely move Daniel Tice, but it was such a tall task to move Tice with at least one guaranteed year and having only played three or four games with the Pacers before the yeah. deadline. That's just – he's just not that kind of player that teams are going to line up for to be really? like, yeah, let, let, let me get some Tice. You know, that, that just was not going <laughs> to happen. I mean, I was at the game. He had, like, a coffee in his hand. He's got his sweatpants on, sweatshirt. Like, he just looked like he was just happy to be there. And, you know, <laughs> at this point, my wife could pick him out. She's like, oh, that's Tice. I was like, eh, you don't really need to remember that name for too long. She'll <laughs> get to see you in that jersey all the time. So that would be great. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you well, lost basically two jersey bets this year. That's what I'm saying. How many jerseys am I, are, are going gotta, around? We, we got to buy a, We both have to buy a jersey for Rooster, so we're going to go in on that together. So that'll be like mm-hmm. half the price. Yeah. And then you're supposed to be buying a Tice jersey if he lasts for the season. So you got two jerseys to buy. Well, I guess one and a half. And I yeah. told you I'd get a custom Tristan Thompson jersey if uh, if you have to buy the Tice one just for fun. And I'll <laughs> wear that just to rub it in your face. <laughs> but you know what? What number was he? Was he thirteen? I think he was. He was. He was. So Navarra is actually thirteen. So I might just buy Much that. Much better. One. I might just, just buy that. That would be way better. I mean, just 
the idea of a Tristan Thompson Pacers jersey, it's just disgusting. It's just yeah. like Thompson, yeah. Like which one is that? It's like Tristan. It's like, oh, I don't really remember that. It's like it was nine days, you know. Two so games. <laughs> it was yeah, just nine days of being a Pacer until he till he called it quits. But hey, Alex, shall we wrap it up? Get us out of here, Fachi. All right. So I'm gonna I guess I'll set you up. I'm gonna tell you where you guys can find us on social media. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers Podcast and please. Do us a favor and subscribe to our channel if you like the content over there. Fachi and his interview with Andrew Nimhart is available for that. I think it's really cool to be able to see the players versus just hearing them on the podcast format. So make sure you guys go check that video out. And, of course, you'll have our trade reaction pod to George Hill coming home and stuff like that. So make sure you guys check that out. But, Fachi, if you're ready for the Pacers to finish these last two games before the, the NBA uh, All-Star Weekend, and you're ready for us to represent the All-Star Weekend well, Hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.